0: It's War Week at Revival Tabernacle. Thank you for joining us as we lead youth from all over the country in a week-long experience of missions and service. Highland Park in Detroit, Michigan, are being blessed right now by our youth teams with the work of their hearts and their hands. They're cleaning and beautifying parks and streets and stretching a prayer line across the city on Woodward Avenue. Every morning and evening this week, our pastors and guest speakers are challenging them with the Word of God, inviting them to take steps toward spiritual growth, encouraging them to put their faith into action. Thank you for listening to this special podcast from War Week 2016. I love this because whenever you read the Bible, whenever Jesus shows up, there's large amounts of people. And all of a sudden buildings are full, all of a sudden people can't get in. And I think this is a great thing because for your church and for your youth group, this is why you should always be inviting people to church and inviting people to your youth group. Because I'm not so sure how God feels about empty seats in church. I mean, that's just me. Um, We don't go to the movies alone. We don't go to dinner alone. You don't go to prom alone, I don't think. Does anybody go to prom alone? I hope not. What? Okay. Rocking out. Um, We shouldn't go to church alone. We should bring people with us. Anyways, moving on. Here we go. Verse 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof about Jesus, above Jesus, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, remember last night about the critical Christians? Remember that, critical Christians? Okay, here we go. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, somebody say immediately, Say it like you're awake and you got more than five hours of sleep. Say, immediately. immediately. Jesus knew in his spirit that this was the way they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, I'm sorry, get up your mat and take it and, take it and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Here's the last part I want to read to you. Listen to this. It says, This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. Now, how many people, this is your very first time at War Week. How many people have been to a War Week before? Okay. This has been going on for a while. It's going to continue to go on for a while. But I'm believing the same way that in this story, when that man walked out of the house and the people looked and they said, This is amazing. We have never seen anything like this before. I want to believe that next year's War Week and the next year's War Week and the next year's War Week is just going to keep getting better and better. Thank you that you want to use us the way that you use these four men to carry this paralyzed man to the mat. So, God, I pray this morning that you would use us on this worksite, site, that you would use us with anybody that we come across, anybody that we talk to, God. We're not here to do church. We're here to be the church. So, God, would you use us in a mighty way? We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Okay, now listen. Before you sit down, hold on. Hey, come on, stand up really quick. This is what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor, pick whoever looks friendliest on your left or your right. Just look at them. I want you to say this nice and loud. I want you to say, "Neighbor." "Neighbor." So come on, y'all. Say with attitude. Say, "Neighbor." "Neighbor." I'm so glad glad that I'm sitting next to you. Now turn to your other neighbor. Turn your other neighbor. Now I want you to say this. Say, "Neighbor." "Neighbor." I'm so glad. That when you lift your hands in worship, you put deodorant on this morning. All right, you can have a seat. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Okay. I want to just share with you one thought this morning that we're going to pray. We're going to go out and work. It's going to be amazing. A few years ago on a Friday night, When we were having services, kind of like we did last night, I saw something amazing happen with this young girl who came in who had never been in church before. She had an encounter with Jesus. She gave her life to the Lord. And it was interesting because at that time in our ministry, we used to do applications right after the service for anybody that wanted to volunteer. So whenever somebody said, Hey, I want to join a volunteer team, I want to serve in the ministry, I want to sing, I want to greet, I want to usher, I want to stack chairs, I want to do something for the Lord, what would happen is they would uh, fill out one of these applications and we would have 10 of them, 20 of them, 30 of them a night and then the following Monday, I would read over the applications. So I was reading over the applications one Monday after a Friday and one of the questions on the application was, how long have you been saved? You know, what team do you wanna sign up for? How old are you? Where do you go to school? How long have you been saved? And I'm going through the applications and all of a sudden, I come across Uh, to this application and this girl that wants to serve in the ministry, and the question says, how long have you been saved? And she wrote, five minutes. She wrote, five minutes. Now, I love that because what you need to understand is, as soon as you come into the family of God, you then are supposed to join the mission of God. This is how it works. God literally wants to use you. I believe these four men, there was nothing special about them. They woke up in the morning just like you woke up this morning. They said, we got a friend in need. Let's pick him up. Let's carry him to Jesus and believe that somehow, way, God is going to use us. Now, in America, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I don't know what your church is like or who your senior pastor is. Um, but in, in America, whenever a church loses its senior pastor, okay, This happens sometimes. Sometimes a pastor um, will retire. Sometimes a pastor will leave a church for another church. Um, Sometimes a pastor will quit the ministry. They don't want to do it anymore. Um, Sometimes a pastor will have a moral failure, and people won't think that they can be a pastor anymore, so they stop being a pastor. Now, in America, what typically happens at a church when they lose a senior pastor, what is very common is they have what they call a pastoral search committee. And What they will start to do is they will start to look all throughout the country for a pastor that might be able to fill the pulpit in their church. And This is the three criteria to be a pastor in America at most churches when they're searching the country as this committee does. They're looking for a person that um, is married, they're looking for a person that has a seminary degree, and they're looking for a person that has at least five years of ministry experience. Married, seminary degree and five years of ministry experience, okay? Um, Isn't this interesting that Jesus himself had no wife, no degree, and only three years of ministry experience? Could it be that Jesus is not even qualified to be the pastor of most American churches? Could it be that maybe what the world's qualifications are are totally different than what God's qualifications are? And whatever people say that they're looking for, God might be looking for something that is totally different than what everybody else is looking for. And I want to tell you something this morning. And if you forget everything else from this week, I want you to remember this. I want you to know that God wants to use you. God wants to use you. You might say, well, I don't know, I'm still kind of young. I don't know, I don't know as many Bible verses as my friends. Ah, I haven't had perfect attendance in church. Ah, I still got some things I'm struggling with. Ah, you don't know what I'm going through. God wants to use you just the way that you are. Now, we so often don't believe this, and we so often forget this, and the only reason that happens is, is because most people have no idea the type of crazy people that God uses in this book. Have you ever read these stories of the type of people that God is using? You can't read this and think that God cannot use you. I mean, let's think about this for a moment. Remember Moses. He couldn't even speak. Jonah, he ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah, he got drunk. David, he had an affair. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah, he was depressed. John the Baptist ate bugs, people. He ate bugs and God still used him, okay? It's amazing. Peter, he had no self control, had a temper like many of us, right? James and John, they were prideful, okay? Isaiah, read your Bible. Isaiah preached naked, true story. God was still using him. How about Sarah? She couldn't have a baby. Abraham, too old. Timothy, too young. How about Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. Don't you think if God can use a dead person, he might be able to use you? Come on. Just elbow your neighbor and tell him, wake up, wake up. God can use you. Wake up. Come on. Of course he can. But we so often forget this. So I want to just encourage you and just inspire you in the next couple minutes, we're going to pray together that God would be able to use us this week at War Week. Now, I didn't share this last night, but um, a lot of you don't know this about my story. Recently, I was actually in prison. Um doing prison ministry, and um, (laughs) I was down in Louisiana, and we were at this prison called Angola, and there are 5,000 prisoners at this prison, and at one time in America, it was known as the bloodiest prison in America. There's only three types of people there, murderers, rapists, and repeat felons. Everybody that's there is there for life, and we went there, and it was interesting because the warden that recently came to the prison happened to be a Christian. And he started to change some things. He started to preach the gospel. All of a sudden, they started to see prisoners get saved by the dozens and then by the hundreds. And now they predict that out of the 5,000 inmates, over 2,000 of them are born-again believers. So, Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. So much so that on these prison grounds, they now have five different churches at the prison that are run by prisoners that have been trained up to become pastors of those churches. Not only that, on the prison grounds, they have two seminaries that are accredited by a local university where these prisoners that have committed these crimes are being trained up and getting degrees in theology as prisoners. And check this out. I learned about another program within the prison where they are training these men of God up to be what they call inmate missionaries, where they will take a prisoner that's set free and on fire for God, and what they will do is they will send them to another prison for a commitment of two years for the purpose of being a missionary at that prison to win other prisoners to Christ and then bring them back to this prison. Pretty crazy. So anyways, I was down there, and I was at this prison, And we were ministering, having fun, praying with people. And we went to this service. I want to show you a picture of the service, me. This is just one of the churches. They're going to put the picture up there. This is me and just a few of the hundred prisoners in this one service of this one church, praising God, better than any service I've been to at my church. Don't tell my pastor. Um, And it was great. So we had the opportunity while we were there to go and do ministry on death row. So we went down to death row. I want to show you a picture of that. And this is death row uh, down in Angola. And there was 81 prisoners that were on death row that have been sentenced to the death penalty. And they are just waiting to go to the execution table. 81 prisoners on death row. And we literally just walked up and down death row, talked to the guys, prayed with the guys, heard their stories. And I'll never forget, I'm walking down death row, and all of a sudden off in the distance, I start to hear this singing coming from one of the prison cells. And I start to get closer and closer and closer and I look into the cell. I actually have a picture of one of the prison cells just so you can see what it looks like. That's a prison cell on death row. And it's about six feet by six feet. So it's not really, this stage, this little stage here is probably bigger than their prison cell. So six feet by six feet is where these guys live and they are on 23 hour a day lockdown. They have to be in the cell for 23 hours, they get out for one hour. Six feet by six feet is their entire life, is their entire world, is their entire existence while they remain on death row, sometimes for years and years and years until everything is processed where they can go to the execution table. So I'm walking down death row, and I see one of these cells, six feet by six feet, and there's singing coming out of the cell. And as I get closer, I start to realize that the song that was being sung was Amazing Grace. So I come up on the cell, and I see the guy, and I introduce myself to him. His name was Bobby Hamilton, and he's singing. I start to hear his story. He's in there for first-degree murder, got converted, fell in love with Jesus, and I'm talking to this guy for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I am telling you, this guy... He knew his Bible better than me. He prayed better than me. He was nicer than me. He definitely sang better than me. He was amazing. And I'm just listening to him, I'm talking to him, and I'm there to inspire him, but he's inspiring me. All of a sudden, he starts telling me that a couple years ago, there was a famous Christian leader that came to the prison to do ministry. And this leader was walking around the prison, and this leader got wind of the story of Bobby Hamilton on death row. And the leader said, you know, we got to do a story on this. So they got the cameras out, and they filmed a little uh, testimony of Bobby Hamilton and just how God has changed his life. And that testimony got turned into this DVD, and it got turned into this story. And Bobby was telling me that his story is now literally not only going all around the country, but his story is going all around the world. His testimony and how God has saved him and how God is using him in the prison on death row is now going all around the world. And I'm just amazed at this point. So I say to Bobby, I say, man, hey, how can I pray for you? And, uh, and he was like, well, hey, how can, I, how can I be praying for you? And I'm like, pray for me? I was like, I'm going to pray for you, bro. You're the one behind bars. Like, this is crazy. And um, he said something to me I'll never forget. He goes, listen. He goes, don't worry about me. Death row is not my destiny. I know where I'm going. Death row is not my destiny. I know where I'm going. And then he goes, check this out. Check this out. He goes, he goes, he goes, goes. listen, even though I'm not available to my family, even though I'm not available to friends, I'm still available to God, and he can still use me in this place. That's what he said. And I was thinking to myself, if this dude who lives in a six-foot-by-six-foot six prison cell and God is using him all over the world, I'm going to tell you what God told me that day when I was in the prison. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? With your family and with your friends and with your finances and with your freedom and with your influence and with your gifts and with your opportunities, if God can do that with a man who is locked up 23 hours a day, don't you think that God could use you in an incredible way if you allow him to? Of course he can. And that's what this week is about, is you coming here and saying, God, I'm not perfect, but I am available. And you can use me. And when I go back to my school, I want to be used. And when I go back to my youth group, I want to be used. And when I go back into my family, God, I want to be a light in every single dark place that you put me in. And the same way that you use Bobby Hamilton, you can use me. Does anybody believe that God can use you? Of course he can. Of course he can. And we're going to pray here in just a second. But these men that were carrying this guy... In the Bible, it's incredible because I think when they woke up in the morning, I don't think they realized that they were going to be used by God. I think that they just simply did what was in front of them. And I don't know about you, sometimes I struggle with this. And I remember a couple years ago, I was, you know, feeling insecure and like, I don't know, I don't really feel confident to preach. I don't know if I'm called to ministry. Everybody else is so much better at it than I am, and just not feeling like I have what it takes. And I remember kind of complaining to God. Have you ever complained to God before? I mean, come on, you can be honest. It's like complaining to God. I was doing that, and I was like, God, like I'm trying to speak. I'm trying to do this, but God, I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not good-looking enough. I'm not creative enough. And I was just telling God all the things. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And I remember the Holy Spirit said back to me, as, as I'm telling God, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. God just said back to me, you're right. You're not enough. But Jesus is enough. And you have Jesus, therefore you have everything you need to do everything that I've called you to do. This is all that you need. You don't have to be special. Like I said last night, you don't have to be some incredibly skilled person. Me, Pastor Devin, Pastor Juan, Pastor Eric, all of these guys that are here, we're just ordinary guys that just said yes to God and want our lives to count for something. And this is what God wants to do in and through your life. And this is what he's doing with these four men. And they're carrying this man, and they're seeing God use them in an incredible way. And whenever I read this story, I think of something that happened to me. I'll say this to you guys, and then we'll just pray together for the day. But these four men were carrying this paralyzed man and whoever their friend was. And they brought him to Jesus, and God used them in this incredible way. And uh, I I really believe that, that they had this moment of saying, you know what? I think if we just do our part in carrying him, God will do his part. And that's the thing, you don't realize. You might just think you're showing up to a work site, but God is using you in a way that you don't even realize. You might think that you're just inviting somebody to church. You might just think that you're witnessing or knocking on a door, and God is using you in a way that you don't even realize. And I think with these four men, they don't even realize they're just doing what God told them to do in a moment to help somebody, not thinking that 2,000 years later in Detroit, there's gonna be people still talking about this story. And here's the crazy thing. A couple years ago, And I'll close with this. Uh, Me and some friends were in the Philippines on a missions trip. And we were there uh, doing different work, kind of like you guys are doing this week. And I'll never forget, it was the very last night of our missions trip. And we're in the Philippines, which is the other side of the world. It's a 20-hour airplane ride to get there. It's a 12-hour time difference. We were there for 10 days. We were tired. We were ready to go home. It was the last night. And we're walking down this dirt road back to the place where we were staying and it was me and a handful of my friends, and we're walking down the road, and all of a sudden, in the distance, we see this taxi driver coming towards us, and he's kind of speeding and swerving and everything, and, you know, it's way off in the distance, so we're not really worried about it, and we're just walking, and then we notice right to our left, there's this woman on a bike, and she's just kind of riding her bike next to us on this dirt road, so we're walking, she's riding her bike, there's this taxi driver driving towards us, and all of a sudden, we realize he's getting closer, and he's getting closer and closer, and he's not slowing down. So he gets about 20 feet from us, and, and we realize, like, we're going to get hit by this taxi if we don't get out of the way. And the taxi's coming, and me and my friends literally jump out of the way. We don't know if he was drunk. We don't know what it was. We jump out of the way, and we look to our left, and we realize that the woman on the bike wasn't able to get out of the way in time. And the taxi hit the bike rider just head on. And I'll never forget, the bike went flying this way, and the woman went flying this way. And the taxi driver just kept on driving, just kept on driving. And we went over to this woman, and she was literally, literally laying in this ditch. And we see her, and her face is covered in blood. Her arm appeared to be broken. And then we looked down at her leg, and the bone was sticking out of the skin of her leg. And, you know, we start to help her. One of my friends takes off his shirt and ties it around her leg to stop the bleeding. And literally me and three of my friends, we pick up this woman and we begin to carry her down the dirt road to the place that we were staying we're carrying this woman. She doesn't speak English. We don't speak her language, so we're trying to talk to her, and then we eventually have a translator with us. We carry her down this dirt road. We put her on this table where we're staying. Thankfully, we had some doctors and some nurses on our team. They start bandaging her up, and while they were, while they were bandaging her up, And 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 working on her and taking care of her. There was another group of us over here um, who were not doctors and nurses, and we were huddled up in a circle and we were praying for this woman, saying, God, you gotta touch her, God, you gotta help her, God, you gotta save her, you gotta use us in this moment. And it was this beautiful picture of you know, some people doing what they could, other people doing what they could, other people doing what they could. Eventually we take this woman, we pick her up again, we put her in this van, we take her to this hospital, the doctors start to work on her. Um, we pay all the doctor bills, we're talking to the woman, we're praying over the woman, eventually she gets released from the hospital about two o'clock in the morning, we put her back in the van, we're driving her home, and in the drive home, we come to find out that she was a Muslim woman, she was on her bike, riding to the store to get some milk for her husband and her five kids. So we start talking to her, she starts asking us questions, we're speaking through the translator, and all of a sudden she starts asking, why are you helping me? Why are you helping me? Why are you doing this? And this was our opportunity to tell her, God has sent us here because we want to be used by him and we want to show you his love. And that's why we're doing this. And we're talking, and she's talking, and then all of a sudden we start sharing the gospel with her, and we're saying, listen, Jesus is the only way to get to God, and he loves you, and he sent us to tell you that. And before the end of the conversation, tears are coming down her cheeks, and she starts saying something in her language. We turn to the translator, and we say, what did she just say? And the translator says, she just told us that she wants to believe in your God because of the love that you have shown her. And not only did she get saved that night, we took her home, her Muslim husband, and all five kids got saved that night. All of them got to the church. Come on, can we praise God for that? And why did this happen? It happened because four dudes who were tired and wanted to go home back to America just said, God, you know what? You can use me. What's going to happen here at War Week if this morning we kick off and you just simply say, you know what, God? You can use me. I can tell you God's going to do extraordinary things in and through you guys today and tomorrow and when you go back home. Amen? Come on, let's stand on our feet. And we're going to pray together. And uh, this is what I want to do. As everybody is standing, just um, going to play a little something. What I want you to do is just whoever you're kind of standing next to, I want you just to just kind of put your arm on their shoulder. That's what I want you to do. Just kind of put your arm on each other's shoulders, top of each other's shoulders, okay? So I want you to do. And in just a moment, what I'm going to have you guys do is just for about 30 seconds, I I want you to pray out loud for the person that is on your right, okay, the person that is on your right. If nobody's on your right, on your left. But uh, why I want you to do this, and it's so important, is because, you know, a lot of us go to church, a lot of us sit in services. You don't know the last time that that person was prayed for in a specific way, And this is your chance, whether you're friends with that person, you don't really know that person, you don't even know who you're sitting next to, it doesn't matter. This is your chance to pray out loud for that person. I want you to pray one thing and one thing only. God, would you use them this week? God, would you use them this week? And don't worry about what anybody else is praying. Nobody's going to be listening to your prayers. Everybody's just saying your own prayers. I want you to pray out loud, okay? I want you to open up your own mouth in just a minute and just say, God, I want you to fill my sister. I want you to fill my brother. I want you to use them this week in a way you've never used them before. Fill them with your love. Do something on this work site. Do something tomorrow when they're inviting people. Do something in their life, God, but use them in their families. Use them in their youth groups. I want you to do that. All over this place, would you just close your eyes and... Right now in this moment, I just want you to lift your voice, open up your own mouth, and just begin to pray over the person on your right. Come on, every single person, not a quiet person in here in this room. Come on, lift up your own voice. Just talk to God for that person. Talk to God for that person. Talk to God for that person. Jesus. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hear every prayer. Hear every prayer, Lord. Hear every prayer, God. So be it. Use us. Use us for your glory. Lord Come on, right now in this moment, just, you can remove your hand from your friend's shoulder. I want you just to lift up your hands to heaven right now, as high as you can. We'll pray and we'll sing. But Father, we lift up our hands to you. And God, we say, you can use us. As imperfect as we are, struggles that we have, gifts that we have, gifts that we don't have. God, you can use us. The same way that you used Bobby Hamilton in that prison. The same way that you use so many flawed men and women in the Bible. God, the same way that you use those four guys to pick up a man on the mat. God, you can use us. So, Lord, right now, here at War Week, Thursday morning, God, we dedicate our lives to you. We freshly commit ourselves to you. God, right now we say, Lord, take our minds. Let every thought be taken captive and made obedient to Jesus Christ. God, I pray if there's anything that we're thinking about that is not pleasing to you, remove it in the name of Jesus and fill us with thoughts that are lovely and pure and right and honorable. God, we pray that you would touch our eyes and that we would see the people of Detroit the way that you see them, God. People that don't know how great they are yet because they don't know the Jesus that we know. So give us supernatural eyes to see the prophetic potential in every person that we come across, God. Lord, we pray that you would touch our ears, and God, that you would drown out the voice of the devil, that you would drown out every lie that the enemy is trying to tell us, and that we would hear your voice above every other voice. God, I don't care if there's a 10-year-old here, a 15-year-old. God, they can hear from you in a fresh way from heaven. So, God, would you turn down the volume of this earth, and would you turn up the volume of heaven so we can hear from you like never before? God, would you touch our heart, make it pure, make its motives pure, and help us to decrease so that you can increase? And God, I pray that when people see us, they would see you, Jesus. That when they hear us, they would hear you, Jesus. When they get around us, they would feel the presence of Jesus. But God, would you use us this week? We're available to you. We're open to you, God. We believe like never before that you want to do something with our life. So God, we're giving ourselves to you. We're giving ourselves to you and ask that you would fill us up one more time as we get ready to go out, Lord. Come on, one more time. Just lift your hands. They're going to sing that out. Would you sing it not as a song, but sing it as a prayer? Come on, we bless you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this War Week 2016 message. We invite you to check out the rest of the podcast from this event and be encouraged by God's word.